Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to TCK Care the Podcast with your host Stephen Black as we share stories and strategies for supporting TCKs in all walks of life. And we're back for another fantastic TCK story. Joining me at the other end of the phone is Nelson Fuentes. Nelson, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. All right. And my pleasure to have you. So, Nelson, <laughs> we're going to start with the, um, the ultimate question. Where are you from? Uh, that's a good question. So, um, well, I always say that I was born in Chile. Um, but when I was four months old, we moved to Switzerland and we lived in Switzerland for eight years, mm -hmm. um, meaning um, me, I'm the youngest of four, four siblings and my parents. And we lived in Switzerland, yeah, for eight years. And after that, we moved back to Chile. And in Chile, I... Um, went through what middle school high school and college and after college i went back to germany um, and switzerland and stayed there for about um, nine months um, and then moved back to chile um, yeah that's kind of where yeah then moved back to chile and there i went back to college then I worked a little bit, and in 2013, so that makes it six years now, um, I started traveling to the U.S. Um, so, yeah, mostly like six years now I've been out, out of Chile, I would say. Okay. So is your family Chilean? Um, yes, they are. Both, um, my, both of my parents are Chilean. But from my mother's side, um, there is, um, um, how do you call it, like when her parents, let's see, her grandparents actually moved from Germany to Chile in the early 1900s. Um, they were all farmers and they moved uh, to the south of Chile because Chile, what was trying to do is to um, bring more foreigners into the country to kind of like have more people uh, in their land. So um, Europe wasn't going through a very well um, time um, during those years. And um, they would offer to farmers um, a bunch of animals, a piece of land uh, for free and uh, for them to go and, and be there. So. Yeah, it's kind of uh, pioneers. They were pioneers yeah. at that time yeah. in the south of Chile. Like, I mean, it was a three-day horseback riding from where they were living to the nearest town. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so it was, yeah, they were really in the boonies somewhere, oh my God. Um, you know, trying to survive. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Wow. Yeah, not crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and then from my dad's side, I don't know how many generations they have been um, in Chile. Okay. But have more Spain influence, influence from Spain. Gotcha. Yeah. So your family is Chilean, but some of your heritage is um, German and like relatively, relatively recently. Um, did you, mm -hmm. did you feel any of that cultural mix growing up? Oh yeah, for sure. Like, especially because we moved and lived in Switzerland, um, we gained and we mixed a lot of cultures. 
Like my first language was the Swiss dialect, like the Swiss German dialect. Um, then, and in the house they would try to speak Spanish, and it was kind of like back and forth. But I, I, I really, when we went to when we went back to Chile, I didn't, I had no clue. I wouldn't like I did not understand a thing they would tell me in the Chilean Spanish. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I was like completely. Yeah, I, I remember the first day they would talk to me in Spanish, and I would be like super confused, not no clue what they're saying. Um, though my parents spoke to me, and they're like, my dad, he never learned German, so he, the only language he knew was Spanish. Um, but even so, like I, I never spoke Spanish um, until I got back to Chile, and then I learned it from there hmm. um so yeah i was uh i could speak some words some phrases here and there but it was not it was totally different so um that said with all the mix and with the experience that we had in switzerland um we brought a lot of that culture um across and then my mom so it was interesting because all these pioneers german pioneers actually my grandparents barely knew spanish too Though their whole life they lived in Chile, hmm. but all the community they were in was all German. Hmm. You know, there were like all these farmers, settlers, kind of thing. You know, like um, just living in one community in one place all their life, and they just spoke all in German. I would go visit them, and it would be all German. Um, so that that was interesting. Um, so then my mom, because of that, there was a lot of German culture, um, kind of like more from the region for where they were coming from. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up with that culture. Interestingly enough, like I, I was in, um, in Switzerland, I grew up with a Swiss culture, um, uh, but then we we would bring a little bit of the Chilean culture in it, you know, the Chilean National Day here and there would celebrate. But mostly I developed like a Swiss culture. Then we went back to Chile and um, I was very close to the German culture because mm -hmm. of my grandparents mm -hmm. um, and my mom in that sense, too. That was the she was the, the one that uh, really was caring about the culture and traditions and things like that. So, um, yeah, we did a lot of just traditional things, traditional meals, um, in our house, mostly we would, we wouldn't eat like the normal dishes that my Chilean friends would, <laughs> hmm. you know, we, we rarely had like a normal dish in Chile, for example, would be rice and chicken, you know, hmm. kind of simple, super simple meal. Um, they don't spice things. They have perhaps salt and pepper in their house as a spice, you know, and here and there, perhaps a little bit more. But in our house, my mom had, I don't know, 20 different types of spices, you know, mm. because that's, uh, it's more cultural or like more in Switzerland, you have that a lot. And then the German culture brings that in too. Um, so then even the dishes, the ways we would just like live normally was different. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so 
so it was like a very strong mix. And then I, in middle school, when I got to elementary, middle school, high school, I went to a German school. Mm. I went through my whole school years um, to a German school. So it was kind of like a private school that had actually a special class for German, for kids that were um, mostly like native language. Their native language was German or related to it, you know. Um, so I was part of that special class and, um, and yeah, so you, I kept having German and learning everything in German in Chile, uh, up to eight, eighth grade, I think is where I had math in German, you know, history, physics, you know, everything was in German and then Slowly, they did a transition. The school would do a transition. So in high school, most of it would be more in Spanish and so on. Like they started doing transition so that you can prepare to study in Chile, you know, um, and so on. But still, we would have a German system in a way. We needed we passed some exams that we needed to do so we can study actually in Germany too. So it was like a dual yeah. thing. It sounds like a cultural assimilation program, like yeah. get your subjects covered, but also like um, cover enough language that you're able to study um, academically in, you know, in Chile. So that's very, right. very interesting sounding. Yeah, no, it was um, academically, I think it was great in that sense. Um, obviously, culturally, like this was a school that had about a thousand um how we call it, like students. Um, and we were, so in each class or each grade had four classes. You know, like, so you have the A, B, C, and we would be the M class. <laughs> M class comes from mother tongue, from the M. You know, so we would be uh, kind of like A, B, C, they were all Chileans. Um, that were able to just go to that school and they would have one class in German, which was German class. <laughs> mm, yeah. um, the rest was all in Spanish. So for them, so we grew up like from second grade all the way, we were always M, you know, and uh, all the other three classes, they would be kind of like different. So we were pretty much always I don't know, I wouldn't say pushed aside, but it, it felt like, oh, you're part of the M class, mm. you know? Um, so, so we were more like the special class. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you, then, were, you were the anomaly. We were the more the, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And actually my generation is the last generation that had that class. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. Because, and this goes all back into history in Chile Right during the dictatorship, a lot of um, a lot of people migrated, left Chile, uh, and they lived in Europe and different places. And actually, after oh, I forgot now, when was it? Eighty nine, something like that. I think. Oh, perhaps it can be wrong. Whatever. Um, 
when the dictatorship stopped, um, ended, all of those families that wanted to go back to Chile now had the chance to go back to Chile. Because um, many people migrated or left because they, had, um, they weren't agreeing with the politics or the, um, you know, just the philosophy of what was happening. Plus, there was a lot of persecution and things like that and a lot of, like, yeah, unknown things, you know, that happened um, that, that were terrible. A lot of, especially, like, for example, all the artists, um, or many of them, that had more uh, a socialistic way of thinking, um, they were the most kind of, like, pushed out or killed. So you call it, like, the dis they would disappear. And until today, there are tons of people that they have no clue where they ended up, you know, being killed um, mm. yeah, by, the mil by the military. Yeah. So many, many people, they just left, right? They migrated. So, well, when this ended, right, the dictatorship ended, a lot of families were able to come back. But then their kids, they knew just German, you know, like this, many of them lived in Germany or France, etc., so you had those kids that were coming back and then you had the kids of the teachers that were in the German school um, plus other kids that just knew German like in our kids. Um, so there was enough people, uh, enough kids to create a like a fourth class, um, special class for that. And I don't know how long that went. Um, but it was like kind of like a window of generations of classes that happened and, and we were the last ones. Hmm. So, yeah. So, so that was it was, a, it was an assimilation program for a specific period in time to help Chileans uh, repatriate back into Chile, um, so to speak. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Um, <clears throat> no, I think it just happened. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, because many people left not because they wanted to leave. Yeah, right. Right. So then pretty much like, I want to go back to Chile eventually. And so when the dictatorship ended, then they saw the opportunity, oh, now I can go back. Mm. You know, and gotcha. so it was like a natural migration back. Yeah. Yeah. I see. That's cool. <clears throat> so since you've had such a strong... Um, influence a strong dose of european influence in your life you know not only your uh not only your great grandparents uh, immigrating from germany but then also like your own personal you know immediate family living in switzerland for that extended period of time growing up speaking uh speaking german primarily in a chilean house and then moving back to chile and then you know and then transitioning to spanish what was it like what were friendships like uh in Chile? There was barely one. Um, pretty much like I, my biggest friend was my brother, my sibling, the, the one that is right after, uh, before me. Um, so we kind of like did everything together, you know, we would do whatever, we'd go out, whatever. It was just the two of us. Um, that was kind of like, um, the closest, I would say, uh, as like friendship in a way that we developed. Um, 
then outside family, even in this small class, for example, the first class that I got to, that M class, it was me, another guy, and five girls, right? So then it was like, well, there's no other, you know, he's he's just my friend, you know? <laughs> By default. <laughs> By default it was, yeah. So, and, and it was great. Like, we did have a friendship, but then he, uh, he left very soon. Um, so then it ended up, it was just me and those five girls. And then... <laughs> And I said, no, I don't want this. I mean, I cannot do this. <laughs> um, so they figured out a way that I actually um, skipped a year. And instead of, I never did fifth grade. I jumped from fourth grade to sixth grade. Crazy. Um, but yeah, so then the other class actually had more diversity in that sense <laughs> okay. um but but still at that point um i mean i started getting more involved in church and stuff like that um so yeah mostly it was my brother and then i started meeting actually there was um this family that they had a very kind of like similar context um they are Swiss, and they were living in Chile. Um, and they lived like in a small villa, I would say. And it was a very, for me, it was very, really liked it because it was kind of for me going back to Switzerland every time. Mm -hmm. Because the way that the homes, how they look, inside the house, the traditions, the, it would we were all talking Swiss, you know, and things like that. So it was a very... Um, comfortable place and they were they had um, kids on my age that are my age so we had like a lot of fun and and I could say there was a lot of friendship there okay. um, that was built and then through church just in time you know you start having friends um, through the youth group and stuff like that um, but but I, I was initially I was always the gringo for sure like the you know right the foreigner um, that's how they would see me um, how I look and how I speak you know um, and it always happened like I mean yeah there are many things that I I adapted but others I just didn't change hmm. you know so. Um, so yeah, it's been very interesting in that sense. Yeah. I know you'd mentioned um, several key components of culture when you're talking about your childhood and moving back to Chile. And you talked about how, you know, your mother really uh, held on to a lot of traditions that you guys had picked up and um, held on to a lot of food. Um, and you were still, um, you still had a lot of um, German language and I feel like mm -hmm. language, food and traditions are like, you know, <laughs> such a big chunk of culture. There's not much more after that. And so I, I definitely, you know, definitely it sounds like you had a really unique experience in Chile. And then um, you said that you were very much the, you know, the outsider in that you had all these differences about you, you did adapt some and then you did maintain your own unique um third culture inside of you mm -hmm. some as well and um 
and it's uh, I was just going to ask, um, is that still true for you today? Because aren't you living in California now? Right. Yes. Um, I'm married now here, living in the U.S., <laughs> um, living in California, and um, and yeah, I think <clears throat> something that has been very interesting. So, right, we're four siblings. My older sister lives in Australia. I have an, uh, my oldest brother. He lives in Chile, but has been going back and forth between Switzerland and Chile. Um, so he has lived there for four years and then lives in Chile four years and out of five years or whatever, you know, has been having different transitions like that. And then I have a brother that since we moved back to Chile has never left Chile. Mm. Um, and then me, um, I stayed in Chile, but then I started moving again and so on. And now I'm living in the U.S. <laughs> Um, so in a culture where I did not grow up in at all. Yeah. And so it's, it has been a very interesting way to see how um, we all have adapted differently uh, yeah. with our TCK background. Um, so that has been just very interesting. Like even in the same family yeah. <laughs> mix, um, we all have been very different in how we have approached um, just the difference of how we grew up in. Mm -hmm. um, so in my case, I feel that I, I have needed to figure it out. Well, as, since I'm a kid, I've always tried to adapt um, so I can be accepted, right? Right. Um, so it's... Um, and it comes from I'm a, just a little... Like, I grew up in Switzerland, so being a kid there, I felt I was a Swiss, right? But I needed to adapt to play with my siblings because I was the youngest. Mm. So they would, I don't know, they didn't want to play with me and they would run faster. So I needed to adapt and try to run faster, you know? Yeah. Or I needed to do all these other things to try to be with them or, or yeah, I just really um, dislike to be alone in that sense. Um, so I developed a way of how to be very flexible and um, like a chameleon, um, which obviously I, I took it to the to the extreme where I, I didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. I lost identity in that sense about myself. And um, so then whatever the circumstances would be, I would adapt. I would read it and I would adapt almost instantly and so that was uh, something that has always been part of me and now that I'm more aware of that I, I, I pay attention to it and make sure that I'm not like being not me yeah. in that sense yeah. but um, but yeah, so in Chile, I tried to be Chilean, you know, tried to do all what the normal Chilean would do in, for, in ways. And But I, I, I was never fully Chilean. Um, and so on, when I lived in Switzerland uh, after college, I, I, I tried to be Swiss, but then I, I really disliked some stuff that was like the hyper structure that they have. And I'm more like, 
you know, after living in Chile, I adopted certain things that are more me, um, I'm being more relaxed or, or more flexible, but I can see that there was no flexibility almost um, in certain things. So then I was, yeah, I didn't like that too much. Like I didn't like that and so on. Um, so now being here in the US, I have found um, that it is a comfortable place to adapt. Um, one thing that I've always celebrated because of this context for me is that, no, you be you, and that is great. And actually we celebrate who you just are and we try to push you to be better in what you are, um, kind of mentality-ish. Um, and yeah, and I cannot generalize, but that's for me what I felt when I came here. Um, which for me was amazing, right? <laughs> like, oh, I don't need to actually adapt to anything um, because, hey, if, if I want to use sweatpants today, I do, you know? And so, yeah, I really, like, enjoyed that. Or going to church, um, in some churches, right, you can go super, like, loose. And I was like, Oh yeah, no more ties. I I'm happy for that, you know. Uh, things like that, and it's just like details that, um, as an outsider, I, I really enjoyed. Um, so, so yeah, and then being here in California, the the mentality of a entrepreneurial kind of mindset of trying and um, trying to figure it out and things is celebrated. And everyone like, oh, yeah, I get that. And yeah, you can do this. You know, we're all in the same boat, especially with the kind of what I'm pursuing in, in the music industry. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it works. <laughs> mm. um, but it has been a process. It's, it hasn't been that easy. Um, before, during these six years, I was part of a missions agency Um and I was part of reach. I uh, was part of crisis response, um, that did a lot of different international responses, and I actually really liked that because I was able to. Uh, it was very easy for me to do it. I would go to different countries, and I would adapt almost immediately. Mm. You know, I, I would read. I, and that's something that I became very good at. Like mm -hmm. I would read people how they speak, how they walk, how they talk, how they move. And it's all different in different cultures. And I would learn how to mimic that. You know, so then I was in the Middle East and they would think that I would be from Lebanon. So it's, I would observe. Yeah. And then I would do them. Yeah. And somehow they would feel very, it would be very welcoming in that sense. So I, I would be in the Philippines. I would I I love to be with shorts and flip flops and and t shirt half up, which was very weird, right? <laughs> like when it's too hot to to ride. Yeah. Well, I think you have it in the Philippines. Yeah, right? I was, or, I was so, in the Philippines. Right? You put that's right. Yeah, you, you put the shirt. On. When the when the weather gets hot, you know, it's completely normal and acceptable for guys to roll their t shirts up above roll their bellies, yes. and like it helps you if you have like just a little bit of a 
a belly sticking out because then it holds your shirt up. And exactly. Then you kind of cool off. Yeah. It's, you know, air conditioning. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I would do that. Nice. You know? Yeah. I would just walk with my shirt all the way rolled up and I'm like, oh, this is actually comfortable. I never learned how to be able to 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 squat with your legs without falling back uh, never got that well but whatever um you know i would play it but it all comes because of my background that it was easy for me to i was just like oh well this is my life you know i get to a place i need to assess hypersensitive hypersensitive in that or aware of my surroundings um i Give me five minutes to like really feel okay. I'm local. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I would I would be a local suddenly if I would know the language. Ooh, yeah, I would be local. You know. I I feel like someone really needs to figure out how to explain that skill set and just put a label on it. Like yeah. adaptation needs to be a skill set that people are aware of, so you can just put that on your resume and be like, "I am a level nine point five adapter." Just so you know, <laughs> like I took the test and I can adapt at a nine point five, so that they know. That's because true. some people can't can't adapt like that, and they don't see lang- body language and you know movement like you're talking about, or they don't hear uh, they don't hear accents, and so when they speak in a different language, mm-hmm. it's like, "Hola, me llamo Esteban." Yeah, yeah, right. Us, right and so you're like how uh, and so yeah adaptation needs to be i'm officially petitioning for <laughs> the world council of employers to recognize adaptation as its own skill now you know yes. what that is <laughs> definitely uh, yes i would love that <laughs> <laughs> so do you feel like you still you know now that you're um now that you're in California, you're in school, you're building a career, which we were just talking about a little while ago, um, in the music industry, you're married. Um, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like you have some, some roots or at least, uh, at least some re- reason to stay put for the time being. Um, do you f- mm-hmm. still feel like you are using those skills of adaptation and that, um, sensitivity to culture in your current context? Mostly for me, what, what matters is the relationship I can build yeah. through it. Yeah. Um, how can I? Um, yeah, if this helps, then I will. Uh, I will. I will use it. And you know, if it helps for me to speak Spanish, um, to get um, to a deeper level of relationship, oh yeah, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm totally fine. Um, so, so yeah. Again, it's a, it's a. At this point, I use it not for my own personal benefit as much as like how I did it when I was younger, like, oh, for me to feel valued or whatever. I do it more now for the benefit of the context, of the community, of whatever relationship I'm trying to build or to have, etc. Yeah. yeah. I get that. Last question for you, Nelson. Um, because of your, you know, because of your background, because you grew up chilean german with you know such a strong swiss influence back to chile now living in america you've got you've had so much cultural um cultural flavor in your life mixed in from Mm -hmm. different parts of the world um you talked about the skill that you've learned at adaptation and how you use that even today um uh, just adapting to different people and how relationships are really at the heart of that you know how do you build relationships as an adapter, as a professional 9.5 adapter, 
What does well-being look like for you? Great question. <laughs> it's really good. Um, yeah, so I would say what I've, I've needed to learn um, was uh, self-awareness. Because as an adapter, I, I, I never, I wasn't aware that I was an adapter or that I was a, um, yeah, like a chameleon in, in that sense until it started hurting. <laughs> mm, um, you know, until I realized that, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, I, why am I doing this? You know, and still I push boundaries that I'm like, no, that's, this is not me. Um, or something is, I'm, I'm not feeling, I don't know, this is wrong. I've, whatever, um, I started realizing that something is not right. Um, and in that, I, I needed to develop self-awareness. Self-awareness of what is healthy and and what not uh, what is healthy for me and how much i can adapt how much where where are the my personal boundaries of of healthiness to stay <laughs> to stay okay i don't know how to say that but like um where emotionally and this is how I see it more like the holistic kind of approach, right? Where you, how are you emotionally about this? How are you um, physically about this? How are you um, spiritually about this? How are you relationally about this? And um, I, I forgot the other one, but there were kind of five points that I would assess, think about this and see, no, you know, perhaps emotionally this is very satisfying you know this is great um but then it's tiring me out physically um, it's really getting me you know i'm i feel stressed or i feel super tired whatever um or spiritually it is affecting me because i'm realizing that it's not being really me and i'm i'm, I'm like lying really to myself and to others um, and that affects me there. And then relationally, perhaps it looks okay in the beginning, but then the moment that you are really you, it breaks in the relationship because they're suddenly like, wait a minute, didn't you like to do this? Or weren't you like this? And now suddenly you're someone else kind of feeling. Um, I remember an ex-girlfriend once told me that, like, I, I feel that you are two different people. Hmm. You know, and like, and I'm, I'm like, no, but it's me, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and one of the reasons was that, like, I mean, I could be one day, uh, super Swiss Nelson and the other day I can be a super Chilean Nelson, <laughs> um, extremely, uh, I would touch extremes in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so then it's very hard. Okay. Who are you? How can I? have relationship with you if I don't know if today you're going to be super mad because I got late five minutes to mm -hmm. an appointment or whatever, mm -hmm. um, or if you're going to be super laid back, mm -hmm. you know, so it would almost go with my mood. Yeah. Um, 
and I wasn't aware of all this until, uh, yeah, I started realizing now this is something's not right. So definitely self-awareness helps a lot to stay um, balanced mm. in a daily lifestyle. Mm. Um, and then if something is not right, then address it. Um, sometimes I, if you're a high level person that travels and moves around that is constantly knowing people, um, for me, I needed to know that I need to have, I need to prepare myself for that. You know, I need to have time where I will rest. When will I rest? Emotionally, physically, where, who are my people that I can go back to, that I can talk with, um, that know about this, about me. Um, and that was my heart. I think that was very hard for me, not having many people around me that really understand. Um, so I would definitely encourage to find community in this um, that will be a support, um, even if it's just one person. Um, hey, they can call me <laughs> if someone is <laughs> going through that. I understand. I have been there. Um, so it's just like the fact of of being able to tell, hey, I'm struggling right now, and in this area, it was very important it was very important um to find stability um so yeah i, I would say top one self-awareness mm. yeah it definitely helped a lot so self-awareness uh, coupled with honesty right being aware of being aware of the things that are um the things that are uncomfortable or difficult or painful or on the other hand rewarding and uplifting and meaningful for you and especially in the right. context of relationships right which is where, right. which is where things really start to matter, uh, right? Yeah, and then yeah, no, yeah, yeah, and then being able to being able to uh, make changes appropriately to accommodate what's going on in your own experience. Yeah. So because you're flexible, it's it's not that hard to do it. Um, but it's true. Like, of course, you're aware of something, but I mean, there needs to be that step of okay this is not right or like the honesty point um and be brave to step up to change it um because it's very comfortable for us it's very comfortable to be um in that change like constantly changing or adapting it's a very comfortable place it's a very safe place um um so these having those it's almost like a, a wall of protection um so to be vulnerable and to get to a point where you say like, no, this is not really, um, this is not really bringing anything, um, is yeah, it's important for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Nelson, for taking the time to share your story. It's been fascinating. There's so much, you know, history that has gone into your story as well as your own personal international experiences and it sounds like you're in a really interesting place right now as far as yeah. living uh, living in california but in an international community with a multicultural marriage um just there's so much going on with you that's really cool to it was really cool to listen to your story and i uh, really appreciate you uh, opening up with us yeah hey it has been my pleasure and you have brought up a lot of stories in my brain now i have like oh and <laughs> i need to take some things. time to process them right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate it. And hopefully, That's this great. 
yeah um can be help for whoever's listening yeah absolutely i understand we empathize yeah. listener <laughs> oh my goodness definitely <laughs> and like nelson said if you need that one person to talk to and bounce things uh, yeah. off of we're here go to tckcare.com and reach out you will not be the first exactly. one yeah yes yes great You've been listening to TCK Care, the podcast with me, Stephen Black, as we share stories and strategies for supporting TCKs. Hosting and producing TCK Care, the podcast is a part of my ministry, which is made possible by the generous support of my financial partners. If you would like to make a one-time or recurring pledge, please go to tckcare.com slash give. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate it on your favorite podcast app, and stay tuned for more TCK Care coming up next week.